0: Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this minister, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. I'd like you to just give my wife a warm welcome as she comes to the stage to help me today. Would you come? Thank you so much. God bless you. Please have a seat. No, no, no. I will get the chair. Gentlemen, watch carefully. <laughs> there you go. Have a seat. If you could put our text up there today. Thank you. Thank you. Would you like, would you like some water? Go ahead and throw our text up there today. I know you're standing just a minute longer like some water? There you go. Would you like some candy? Amen. Amen. Romans 12 and 13. It says, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. There's no better way to live. I have a little saying in my personal life. It's a little slogan for my life. It is, it is, giving is living. That's my personal slogan for life. And I found in scripture that giving, being given to hospitality, changes your life completely. Amen, so we're gonna talk about hospitality in your personal life, we're gonna talk about hospitality toward God in your spiritual life, and we're gonna talk about hospitality in the church those three different things, and today we're going to talk about hospitality in your personal life. How many know that everything you are publicly comes from who you are personally? And if we don't talk about how it, what, what personal hospitality looks like, we can never expect to have hospitality toward God in our worship, and the way we live, and the way we dress, and the way we walk and talk, and we'll never be a hospitable church, amen? So we want to talk to you in this series for a little while about hospitable church. Lord Jesus, we ask you just to bless the hearing and the teaching of the word. As we go through this together, maybe somebody will have something ping in their heart that I can do that. I can be that. I can help somebody in that way. And that is hospitality for them. Help us to understand and do it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. I already shared with you my story where I began to pray about hospitality and Praying about hospitality and being hospitable are two different things, amen? It's like praying about being a better prayer warrior, but then never praying. It's so easy to do, isn't it? But in this particular series, we wanted to talk a little bit about hospitality. And I brought my wife up here because she is an amazing host. How many of you have ever been to our house and got the... Yeah, she's an amazing host. But let me just start with opening up just a little bit about what hospitality is and maybe just setting some ground foundation, some ground rules of what hospitality is. We, we read that we were to contribute to the needs of the saints and practice hospitality is what one, one particular translation says. And it says literally that you are to pursue, everyone say pursue, pursue. Hospitality. That's what it actually translates to. When you're given to hospitality, you are to pursue it. And hospitality means this, the quality of receiving and treating guests and strangers in a warm, friendly, generous way. Warm, friendly, and generous way. And did you know that we're commanded to be hospitable as Christians? We're commanded to have hospitality. And I noticed about myself that I was becoming so busy that I had lost some of my hospitality skills. And so I began to pray about it. And of course, the door opened to minister to our neighbors. And we had the whole evening with them. And I think that was a fantastic evening. But I also noticed that the scripture admonishes us to show hospitality, and the way that we do that, Paul says it's actually a duty of ours. It's a, it's a task that we should do. He says in Hebrews 13, 12, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. It's interesting, isn't it? That there's a possibility. Let me say it like this, because this is how I wanted to say it as I was studying this sermon. Did you know that angels are attracted to hospitality? And so we need a new revelation of what hospitality is. Did you know that almost every church has a hospitality department? where they have a little gift for you when you come in and you know some stuff that you may never use for the rest of your life, but they put it in a nice little bag and they hand it to you on the way out the door. And they do that for guests because not because you're, they don't want you to feel comfortable and everything, that's all good. But the reason why they do that is because that's actually called upon to do as the church. We're called to be hospitable to people that are guests and strangers. And then hospitality is actually listed in several character traits. Number one, if you want to be a minister in the church, you have to be known for hospitality. Did you know that? Yes. And as a minister, you would be a person who is living at a level that others say, yep, they, they can lead. They, ha- they are without reproach. They're an individual that, that lives for God. And it gives that person the ability to stand and preach the gospel because their life does not have places where the world can say that there's reproach. So there's places in Scripture where it talks about the hospitality of men and hospitality of women. And and in fact, hospitality is listed as the character of a godly woman. Did you know that, ladies? It actually says it in the Scripture in 1 Timothy 5.10. It says that there are several things that godly women should be. Number one, they should have a good reputation, well reported for of uh, well reported of for good works. If she have brought up children, in other words, if she has raised children, and had enough patience not to kill them first. Amen. Somebody. <laughs> If she's actually brought up children, that's, that's a, there's some patience. There's some stuff that you learn there as as a woman that when bringing up children. And then, of course, this is a different time, so it's putting a lot of emphasis on some things. But it also says, if she has shown hospitality to strangers. Notice it says lodged, brought them in, kept them. Shown hospitality to strangers, the, the King James Version says. Number four, if they have washed the feet of the saints. Basically, that translates in the modern day, If you have been or you have cared for the saints in some way, we, of course, don't wash each other's feet when we get here. That'd be a little awkward, wouldn't it? Everybody coming in. Hey, welcome. We're glad. First time guest. Go ahead. Take your shoes off. Yep. Pull them socks right off. Oh, you didn't clip the nails. That's okay. We're going to go ahead and clean and pedicure at the same time. We wash the feet here. Yes, this is the Wash Feet Church. That would be really awkward, wouldn't it? And how many would be signing up for that job? I want to be in the foot washing committee. I want to stand at the door and clean the dirty feet when we come to church. No, you wouldn't want to be that person, would you? That'd be a hard sell for volunteer ministry, right? We'd have to have a large, very large church to get even a few to join in. But they would have to be a, a person that's given to washing feet. I guess that would be their personal gift. Ask people what their gifts are. I'm like, oh, I am talented at washing feet. You should see me. My gift is washing feet. But it actually means that they had cared for the saints. She had cared for the saints in some way. And then it says that she insisted those that were in this distress, and she devoted herself to every good work, the Scripture says. This is the quality of a good good godly woman. In the middle of that, even as the third most important thing is that she was given to hospitality. She was welcoming to others. This actually shows up in two Testaments because in Isaiah 58 and 7, it says this, Is it not to deal thy bread to the poor or to the hungry and that thou bring the poor that is that are cast out of thy house? In other words, she said, Is it not good for you to do these things, to bring bread to the hungry and bring the poor that are cast out of the house, when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him? And that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? In other words, he's talking about when you see, is it not good that when you see the poor and you see the needy and you see those that are hungry, that you not do something for them? He said, and don't hide yourself from your own flesh, your own family members, those that are close to you. When your family is in distress, you need to respond. My cousin right now is is going through some very difficult cancer situations and he has been distant from our entire family. But last night I called his mother and said, I don't have his number. He's detached himself from our family. But if you have a number for him, please give it to me and I will go to his hospital bed in Oklahoma City and I will pray over him. Why? Because he is my flesh. He is my family. And you have to be hospitable, not only in the way that you treat guests and strangers, but when it's your family, you have to go beyond yourself and your own feelings. You might have been hurt before. They have maybe said things that were not hospitable to you, but that does not give you a right. You are a Christian, a Christ follower, and you must do what is hospitable. It is incumbent upon you to represent Jesus Christ to those that are hungry, those that are poor, and even more, don't hide yourself from your family. Love them. Care for them. Even when it's hard. Even when it's hard. Be hospitable. Amen. You know why that's so important? I'll tell you why it's so important. Because the response of those that are not Christians, the response of those that don't follow Christ, is hostility, not hospitality. And the church was meant to be a hospital. Did you know that? If you take the B and the E out of hospitable church up there, and you move the L over, it says hospital. The church is to be a hospital for people. And we're going to talk about that more next week as I preach. Uh, We'll have the pulpit back up here. But we want to do a little bit more of the personal hospitality this week. But did you know that hospitality is required for ministers? As I said, Titus 1, 5 through 8, it says these words. And as soon as I'm done here, we're going to talk a little bit with Sarah. She's not just up here just to listen to me talk, I promise, <laughs> and to look pretty. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Titus 1 5 through 8, 5 through 9 says, For this cause left I in Crete, this is obviously Paul writing to Titus, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. In other words, he said, this is how we're going to set up elders. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children not accused of riot or unruly, For a bishop must be blameless. This is talking about someone who has lived for God and had this put in their life so much and loved God so much that they have matured in God. And now they're looking for someone who can lead us in spiritual things. The greatest thing that's needed in the church today is spiritual people, amen? That's the greatest thing that is needed, those who are spiritual and can help others who fall, amen? because that's who is called on when someone falls in the church. It says, go and find those who are spiritual and have them help them be recovered. And so that is what's important. And so we're looking for spiritual people. He said, let them be blameless and the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry. In other words, not having a lack of self-control, not given to wine, not striker, not given to filthy lucre. Go on if you would. And filthy lucre is just the greediness, a desire for greediness. But a lover of hospitality, look there, a lover of hospitality. In other words, don't just begrudgingly have someone to your house and then look at the dishes in the sink and think of all the work that is required to have a life group at your house. Amen, somebody? (laughs) That's why we're a life group church, because we want to promote hospitality. Even though it creates extra work and it it is sometimes so inconvenient for us and we're racing in from our own schedules just to quickly clean and make it ready for others. That is a work of God in your life. Do you understand that? The hospitality of putting somebody in your vehicle and driving them to church and making sure that it's ready for a a passenger. That is a work unto the Lord. Amen, somebody. That is serving the Lord with gladness, is to have a hospitable spirit. And that spirit needs to be in the church. We need a hospitable church. And it says if you're going to lead or if you're going to do anything. So these are people that are leading the church, but it should show up in everybody because they're leading so that others can follow. Amen. They're following Christ as we follow a leader, the leader. So we know that a lover of, you know, it says, a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men. In other words, seeking out good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. Go on to the next verse. Holding fast to faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able to, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Amen. People that are against the doctrine, he would be able to exhort and convince them of the ways of God. Amen. When you give a receptive place to others, you are actually doing what Jesus did. Did you know that he had dinner with tax collectors and sinners? He made a place of hospitality for others who did not serve the Lord. He went out of his way. And so in Luke 14 and 12, it says this. It says, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. It said, then said he also to them that bade him. This is Jesus talking. Make thou... When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends. Of course, we would call friends, but he's making sure that they understand that do more than just the people that agree with, calling the people that agree with you and are close to you, nor thy brother, nor thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again and a recompense be made uh, thee. In other words, he said, if you can go on, that'd be great. I don't know if I gave it to you, but he said, invite the poor the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Invite people that cannot give back to you. Hospitality is you hosting people that have nothing to give back. And actually, Jesus uses this not only in his ministry. He goes to Zacchaeus, and he says, come down. We're going to your house to have dinner. He goes to others, and he says, we're going to get together, and we're going to fellowship. And even the Pharisees, the religious folks, the religion that Jesus set up as God Almighty, they had a problem with who Jesus hung out with. Jesus was so non-threatening to sinners that they felt comfortable in his presence, even though he wasn't a sinner think about that one. He was so good at hospitality, he was able to make someone feel comfortable even if they didn't live right. That's very powerful, and that's what the church should be. We should be able to live for God, have depth of relationship with God, but also have a door open of hospitality to whosoever will. Amen? Amen. Hospitality turns away hostility. Did you know that? I want to share with you 2 Kings 6.22, and then we'll talk. We did discuss that verse already. God bless you, media team, for helping us. Hospitality turns, is, is something that turns away hostility. Look at this story. And, and what happens here in this scripture, you have to have the backstory. He said, and he answered, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldest thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with thy sword and with thy bow? Set bread... And water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. In other words, this is Elijah talking and Elisha, this is the story that we shared in life group, this in Spirit Life class this morning. Elisha, Elisha was surrounded by the Syrian armies. If you don't know the backstory, can I step away for a minute? Let me just tell the backstory because I can't hardly sit down. I can't handle that sitting down stuff. It just takes too much energy to sit down. So what happens is Elisha is having these miracles happen in Elisha chapter in Second Kings six and twenty two. It starts the chapter out with him making the axe head swim because they go to down beams as the as the, the sons of the prophets. They they said they're restricted. They don't have a place. So they, they said, let every man go and cut down a beam. And they borrow an ax. And they are chop- one of these guys is chopping down wood. And the ax flies off lands in the water. And they're like, master, we've lost it. We borrowed it. And he goes over and drops a stick in. And the ax head swims. And he says, take it with your hand. And they save the day. And then he moves on through the scripture. So there's these miracles going on in Elisha's life as he's ministering to these young sons of the prophets. And then Something happens, and he says, "Go tell the king of Israel because there's there's a, there's some events that are going to happen." And God speaks to Elisha, and he says, "Go tell the king of Israel not to come down from Israel a certain way to Samaria because the king the king of um, what what. Syria yeah the king of Syria had camped himself and was going to attack the king when he came down and so the king of Syria tells his servants in his bedchamber or in close quarters he says we're gonna camp here and we're gonna we're gonna just we're, we're gonna create what do they call that when you you we catch somebody unawares you, you not a sabotage but you catch an ambush thank you I was missing the word you they were gonna ambush the king and so whenever God tells elisha he sends word to the king of Israel don't come down this way because they're going to ambush you and the king of thank you the king of Assyria says how did they know how did who in this tent of my secret servants here who is for the king of Israel because I've got a mole I've got somebody that's going and telling. They shouldn't have known we were here. But they said, no, no, it's not us. We didn't tell. We are all for you, king. But there is a man in Israel whose name is Elijah. And God tells him things that you say in your bedchamber. Even though you're not there, God's there. Even though we're not there, God's there. And even though you think we might have told him, we didn't. God told him. And so he told the king. And that's why it didn't work. And he said, well, tell me where this man of God is. We'll take care of this right now. This issue has got to stop. People can't be hearing what I'm saying in private chambers. You know, there's no way I can do this and be a king and be and, in and war against him. So they're like, well, we know that he's in Dothan. We know where he's at. You've heard the, the man of God, Elisha's in Dothan. And so he's like... Round up chariots, round up men. Let's do this. We're going to take him out. Let's go. And so they surround Dothan, and of course, you know Gehazi is that his name? Gehazi gets up in the morning and he's pouring his orange juice. You know, he goes to the refrigerator to get out breakfast, and he gets out orange juice, and he's got a croissant. He's got his croissant there, and he's having breakfast. And he looks out the window and starts pouring his orange juice over the cup onto the table because he realizes that they're surrounded by the Assyrian. What? Syria, thank you. I wrote the notes. I should remember that. By the Syrian army. And so they realize that they're surrounded. He's like, Elijah, wake up. You don't even understand. We're surrounded by the enemy. And he's like, no, no. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by him. Amen. God fights my battles for me. Amen. And so he's like, open the eyes of Gehazi. I know he's good at breakfast, but open his eyes. And so he opens his eyes and he sees the chariots. This is where the word chariot of fire comes from. You know that dun, 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 the whole chariots of fire thing. It comes from this passage of scripture right here where he goes and he's like, he's like, look up and see around the mountains where chariots of fire, the angels, the host of the Lord has surrounded the enemy that surrounded them. Amen. That's why we sing that song about the Lord fights. Our battles and it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by Him. That comes from this story, and so we're sharing that this is all going on. And God and these Assyrian, Syrian, Syrian. I'll get it. Yeah, without the A. Thank you. The Syrian army they come in to the city to attack Elisha, and Elisha prays, "Lord, strike them with blindness." How would you like to pray that prayer in the in heavens? Listen, He's like strike them with blindness and they all lose their sight. God can actually do that. Did you know that? And So they're struck with blindness and they walk up to Elisha and they don't know it's Elisha and Elisha plays them. He's like, who are you looking for? They're like, Elisha, the man of God. He's like, oh, he's not here. This is Elisha talking to the Syrian army that have come in. He's like, hes they're not here, but they're blind, so they can't tell. So he's like, I will lead you to him. So he leads them. Elisha, who they think is not Elisha, and leads them to Samaria, right into their enemy's camp. And so they're all following Elisha, thinking it's like somebody leading them to Elisha, and it's really Elisha. And he leads them right into Samaria, and the king of Israel comes down the other way because he listens to the man of God and he's spared and he gets there and he's like we pick up in this verse right here he's like shall I slay them? you brought them all the way into the city shall so we just kill them? that's our enemy we can, we can slay them right now we'll kill them he's like whoa if you capture them wouldn't you not treat them right? it's the same thing God just captured them for you you should show hospitality to those that are hostile to you is what he says and watch what happens now the king of syria was a very powerful king with great armies they could have wiped out israel but when god chooses to fight the battle he chose not to use bow or spear he chose to use hospitality so they set a large banquet let go to the next verse And he prepared a great provision for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. So the band of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. They did not fight them. They did not clash. They did not get angry or upset or, or malicious. They didn't do anything against them. They prepared a table for them. And they showed them hospitality. And their hospitality removed their enemy from ever coming against them again. Do you understand the power of hospitality? I am preaching to you a a concept that isn't talked about very much in church. But if we can get this concept in our personal life, your enemies that fight against you, some things that are going on in your life right now, if you will just show kindness instead of rearing up and using whatever things you think you need to use, slaying with words or slaying with actions, you don't need to do that. You need to prepare a table. And the Bible actually says that even God chooses to fight our battles this way. Because David said, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies in other words he's saying i am going to nourish you in a special way if you'll learn to nourish your enemies when they don't deserve it when they don't when they've said things against you go ahead and show hospitality not hostility and through that they will never come against you again it's actually in the word of god it shows us that god chose hospitality to fight his battle And so Peter decides that he's going to fight for the Lord, pulls out a sword and takes off the ear of a servant. And God says in flesh, put away your sword, Peter. Puts the ear back on the man to keep Peter from being embarrassed and said, I got this. I don't need your help. He never once was a God that wasn't compassionate in a hospitality hospitality way. So I hope that helps you to understand hospitality a little bit. And then let's talk a little bit about hospitality. We'll try to be quick. But um, I really feel like church, in some ways, has become a place where people come and get saved and then sit down. And they don't know what to do after that. They're like, I'm on my way to heaven. I'm saved. But there's so much more to do after salvation that God commands us to do. And one of them is being hospitable. So, Sarah, can you just share quickly uh, what we talked about about hospitality?
1: Okay. So, we were talking. Like um, I've got enough. Thank you. Do you have one of those stirrings? No. <laughs> thank you. No, no, no. <laughs> They're banned. Um, <laughs> so, we were talking about. Um, the, and he talked about hospitable, if you take out the B and the E, and it becomes the word hospital. And how many have heard of the church being um, referred to as a hospital for sick souls? Because uh, we are sin sick. Sin has made us sick. It's like a disease. It's something that has come upon us, and we can't fix that ourselves. We can't get rid of it ourselves. And so one of the functions of the church is for a place where sin-sick souls can come to be healed, to be revitalized, to go through therapy. Not not therapy as the world would would think of it, but a regenerative therapy. The the word of God regenerates us and makes us new again. And so we were talking about that. And imagine if uh, you had a disease or some kind of a condition that you needed to go to a hospital for, and um, they they met with you. Um, and at the, the hospital or, or for a consultation or whatever, and and you, you went there to, to talk to them about what needed to be done. And it turns out what needs to be done is surgery. You need to have surgery. This will fix your problem. Okay, well then, we'll schedule the surgery. We'll get it all arranged. We'll check with your insurance. We'll pre-authorize whatever we need to do to set it all up so you're ready for the surgery. And the day of the surgery is upon us and you you followed all those the the instructions and you showed up and the hospital said, "Well, oh, we're glad you're here. We're really glad you're here. Would you like a glass of water? Would you like some Starburst?" <laughs> um You look. You know. You've been standing for a little bit. Why don't you sit down in this comfy chair over here? Here, sit in this comfy chair. Can I get you anything? It's a little chilly in here. Would you like. Would you like a little blankie? I'll get you a blankie. Are you tired? Uh, Let me. Let's get you a pillow. You know what? Why don't that chair reclines? Why don't you just. Why don't you just lean back and and get real relaxed. That feels good, doesn't it? Oh, it would feel even better if it wasn't so bright in here. I can, I'll close the blinds. And you know what? Why don't, why don't you, here's a little eye, what's those eye masks? Why don't you wear that? In fact, this one has a cooling. You'll look better after you wear that. And just, are you comfortable? Can I get you anything else? No? Yeah. Oh, oh, what else do you, oh, you're a little hungry. I'll go fix something for you. You fasted all night because that was the instruction. I'll get you something to eat. And you're like, okay, well, I'm here for a surgery. I'm here. I'm here to get fixed. I'm here to have something done. And they're like, oh, but are are you comfortable? Is it? Do you feel like? Do you feel welcome here? I mean, we have a very friendly staff. Our doctors are friendly. Did you like? Did you meet the doctor? Wasn't he friendly? And you're like, what is going on? I'm here for surgery. Yeah, it's great if the, the doctor's friendly. Yeah, I, I like a nice bi- bedside manner. Mm-hmm. I like the nurses to be friendly. I don't want them jabbing me with needles and getting out their frustrations on my veins. But that, even though that's nice and the welcoming part is nice, really, you're there for a purpose. And when people come in, we do need to welcome, and the the hospitality has to be there. But the hospitality is for a purpose; it's to bring you in and get you ready for what the Word of God is going to do for you. The surgery, the Bible says, the 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 Word of God is like a sword; it, it divides asunder. It says that it gets right in there, and it's it's sharp, and it's it does its work, but it does it in in such a specific way. It divides it and, and opens it up so we can understand it, and so it can do the work that is supposed to be done. So the hospitable church isn't just for the sake of hospitality, not just so that our community says, you know what, that's a friendly church. You want to go to that church? Yes, we want to be friendly but we want them to come and stay for the regenerative work of the Holy Ghost. That's what it's all about. We are supposed to be a hospital for the sin-sick souls. So anything else on that? OK. So when my parents, my parents grew up, he wanted me to tell a little story. Um, my parents grew up in the denominational churches that they were raised in. Um, different ones, but the denominal world. And um, they received the gift of the Holy Ghost at home and didn't know anyone who had ever had that happen. And the Lord brought a witness to them and witnessed to them about baptism in Jesus' name and led them to a church um, that that taught this doctrine. And I tell you that to tell you this. They were searching. They were seeking they were hungry for God. And if they had come into that church and the only thing that was offered to them was a welcome, would they have gotten what they needed? That They wouldn't even have gotten what they were actually there for. But what happened is that hospitality had a purpose, and not only were they welcomed, but they were listened to. This is what our experience has been, and people listened to them and took that in and then they got them together with a couple who was uh who was i'm sorry yes, they were very hospitable and they they brought us to their house and they welcomed us, but for the opportunity to teach us what the Word of God said to give us truth. And yes, even as a little one, I remember going there. I remember Sister Kim's peach cobbler. It was delicious and they always made us feel welcome, but we were there for a purpose. So the hospitality opened the door for the doctrine to go forth into my parents' hearts and for uh, me to have the opportunity to be raised in the truth of God's word. If that family hadn't taken us in and walked us through the early days of our walk with God, we might not have been where we are today. And we learned that hospitality from them and we took it and we applied it to our lives and we became hospitable people. And I can't tell you how many Bible studies my parents have taught over the years. I can't even tell you how many I have over the years. But it all started with that one couple that taught us a Bible study in an act of hospitality who gave us the truth of God's word. And from that, that moment in time, has come three churches and beyond that, the church, the church that my parents began has produced ministers of the gospel, Bible study teachers, Sunday school teachers, and that is now what we're doing here. We are helping the, the, the kingdom of God to go forward, and we are helping others to grow in the word of God so that the kingdom can go forward. That's all because of a hospitable couple in a church in 1979.
0: A very good testimony. And you know what? The whole time that they were there at a Bible study, if they were to walk in and say, you know what? We need to leave early. Uh, or you know what? We've got to go. Um, we only have 30 minutes. Those people would not have said, oh, my goodness. Well, I guess you're backsliding. Or block them at the door. <laughs> Stand and keep them from leaving. But what, what they did was they would make arrangements for that. They were like, okay, we'll, we'll tailor our lesson or we'll split our lesson in two and do it half this week, half next week. And that's the way we need to be. And I was going to do an illustration, but we're out of time, where I had a bunch of people come up here and block Sarah from getting off the platform and uh, show how ridiculous that is. And it's the same way with the church. We can't force people to be here But if we learn to be hospitable, they'll want to be here. Amen? So I want to just close in prayer, and I want to ask you, maybe in some way, if you could ask the Lord, Lord, how can I be hospitable? To my family first, obviously, but then also to the strangers, the poor. I know people that go out and serve at soup kitchens, but they won't reach out to a family member. You need to do that, too. Amen. If you, if you are serving in some place for someone else, but you haven't served some of your family, maybe ask God, Lord, how can I serve them? Because ministry really is service. And I want you to understand that as I close and we go to prayer, I want you to understand that this is how we fight our battle. And brother, I don't know if you can do that song, but I would love us to do that song as we end today. The way we fight our battle, listen carefully. Our worship is our warfare, amen? God said the battle belongs to me. And so I need you to understand that God has chosen the way that we're hospitable to him to fight our battles for us. So if you need to fight a battle today, if you have something that's come against you, if you have something that you're struggling with, The way that you fight that is to be hospitable in your worship to God, and He will fight that battle for you. Everything is linked to hospitality in the Word of God. When we are open to God, when we worship Him, where two or three are gathered in His name, there He is in the presence. When we're open to God and we're kind, I mean, there's a lot of things that we're going to touch on, but when we're willing to be available to God, that hospitality lets Him work on our behalf. So let's stand and let's worship together, and let's understand that as we sing this song, we're singing a song that celebrates the Lord, but we're also singing a song that helps Him to fight the battles for us. Amen. Let's sing it together as we worship. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. Light my